Hail cheaters. Welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh. Today we're talking about defenders and goalkeepers. But first, we actually went out into the world and did in real life scouting. Uh, Mm -hmm. We saw uh, Brighton take on Newcastle at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Remind me to never take the path train to New Jersey (laughs) again. Um, So I guess before we get into our defender and goalkeeper preview, what did we learn? Did we learn anything? Did we yeah. learn that? Uh, what did we learn? What is popcorn happened? chicken is really the scran to get at Red Bull Arena? <laughs> I like this. We're just jumping right into it. Well, this is the third pod you and I have done in six and a half days, so I think we're we're pretty. Our, our voices are pretty like settled in at this point. Yeah, I think that we. Well, first of all, all, all preseason content, everything you watch, everything you see in real life you know, in person, it all has to be to everything you like kind of like, you know, match reports that you read about all has to be taken with a grain of salt because yeah. we are not dealing with full strength squads on both sides. Um, often managers are trying different things out. Uh, Aston Villa today are playing with a three at the back system, right? Uh, which mm-hmm. Emery had hinted at going into the summer. And so we're seeing lots of things are sort of getting tried out. So, uh, and in fact, the match that we went to was a, uh, was a two, one Newcastle victory. And if you saw that, you'd think, Oh, okay. So Newcastle, handle them. But in fact, uh, those two goals came in the final five minutes of the match. And what you and I saw was a inc- dominant, honestly, Brighton performance. Now, granted, it wasn't against a full strength Newcastle. Neither side was totally full strength, but Brighton had uh, a number of starters out there. They had um, uh, Matoma was out there, Danny Welbeck. I think we can reasonably call a starter. He's certainly in the starting rotation and uh, uh, Stupinon was out there. Uh, yep. The new goalkeeper was out there. So just a lot of uh, interesting parts. And I thought it just it was clicking incredibly well. I mean, Deserby is just a genius. Like, I, I'm just so impressed with him and, and what he's done with that squad. It seems like Deserby's training sessions must be the most efficient and effective training sessions in the Premier League right now because while it was a mixed squad of Brighton and Newcastle with starters and non-starters, Brighton, just as a team, was cutting Newcastle up on the flanks through the middle of the park like it was. What's that game you can get on your phone where you cut up the watermelons and and whatnot, like Fruit Ninja? You're the phone phone (laughs) game guy. I... uh, (laughs) I like to. I'm, I'm reading Wikipedia pages yeah. like almost nonstop. Yeah. So, so that is what I took away was yeah. Deserby just has that system now fully ingrained in the in it, well, with with every player in his squad, and that's great. So as he rotates for the Europa, uh, the Europa games, they'll probably still be able to. Uh, take it to any opposition. Newcastle was, it was just an odd performance by them. It was really a B squad. Elliot Anderson scored both the goals. We mm-hmm. did. It was our first opportunity to see Callum the Truth Wilson live in person. Yep. Didn't and, get a lot of uh, service. Yeah, he was he was starved for sure. Um, and who else from Newcastle even stood out? Uh, uh, I guess Matt Ritchie and Harvey Barnes. Uh, I, it may have been Harvey Barnes' first start for the club. He was active. Yeah. He, he looked fine. He was active. It was a little bit like I wanted to show. Like There was a moment where he, he kind of had an unmarked Callum Wilson. It's a little bit like um, in the NBA, they have this thing called Vegas Summer League. It's kind of like a rookie league, first-year player. You know, players who just got drafted, second-year players. And it's sort of famously a bad league for centers. Right. Because it's, it's kind of a guards exhibition where they get to go out there and just 
you know, throw up as many three, three point shots as possible and show off their moves, yeah. you know, whatever. Um, and so, uh, and, and your know, d- defenders can be a little, um, or excuse me, centers can be a little, um, kind of starved of service. And I think forwards are kind of the same way in preseason matches because there's a moment there where Harvey Barnes gets the ball on the left, does some of the stuff that we saw at Leicester, right? Which is just absolutely drive the ball. And then Kellen Wilson's basically doing that thing where he's standing there with no one marking him with his arms out, like mm-hmm. <laughs> the ball. Yeah. And then, uh, Barnes, Barnes, uh, basically rolls the ball to the keeper and Wilson let him have it. That was, that was kind of fun to see in real time, yeah. but I, I, that'll all get, you know, corrected as the, yeah. as the season goes on. Big thank you to Michelle Marlborough, our friend and supporter. She hooked us up with those tickets and got to hang out with her and her husband, John, who was a delight. And the other big moment at the Summer Series match in Harrison, New Jersey, was an actual trophy presentation. Now, <laughs> yeah. I, I mentioned a few times on the pod that I made a bet last season with a friend where I bet that Gabriel Jesus would score more FPL points than Darwin Nunez last season. When Gabriel Jesus went out for 16 weeks, I thought, well, even though Darwin's having a terrible season, I'm losing this bet. Miracles do happen, Josh. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying it's a miracle that I was right because uh, I always knew I was going to be right. But um, I'm holding in my hand the trophy that was presented to me by Marlon, who, uh, while you be the judge, how gracious Marlon was in defeat when I read what this plaque says. Okay. This plaque recognizes that I, Marlon Ratner, of sound body and mind, acknowledge Brandon Kelly as the better fantasy Premier League manager. It is my deepest honor as a former Hall of Fame FPL manager with four top 1,000 finishes, including back-to-back top 200 seasons, to bestow this plaque with heartfelt accolades upon Brandon. I have been bested. Hail cheaters, Signed Marlon and and uh, John has actually laser engraved this on a block of wood. It looks sensational. Uh, the yeah. bet was basically just write on a piece of paper that the other person is a better fantasy manager. <laughs> you went so Mar- Marlon really took I, that idea and ran with it. I think it's great. I think you know this is the kind of thing that we're we're all about here on Always Cheating, right? Which is uh, make your make your mini leagues matter, make your side bets matter, make your whatever. There's a little bit of like betting contra. I, it's so funny. There's like this these betting like these like um, win your mini league things out there right now. And sure. yeah, it's like you just. You know, if you have a little money on the side, guys, just don't, uh, maybe just don't talk about it. You know, it's more of a, it's, it's what, uh, that's what a PayPal is for. They do this stuff on the side. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, yeah. just click the for a friend, uh, little tick there exactly. and it's all good. No, I've never been in a money league in my life, Brandon. Yeah, of course either. not. That yeah. would be that'd be insane. But I, I can see how some people uh, would would want to do that. And, yeah, uh, we, to get them, I, we get yeah, it. We get it. Yeah, we get we get it. Uh, but yeah, you got to be a little, let's be a little more subtle out there, folks. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, but be, I, I think it's yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, being out there in the heat because um, it was hot. It's been hot here in the states for a couple of weeks now. I just suddenly got f- filled up with excitement for the Premier League kicking off there's nothing like watching a a match live to really get the juices flowing and now this is the third of our three-part player preview series josh you can go back and listen to us run down our top 10 forwards our top 10 midfielder picks and now in this episode we're going to talk about top 10 defenders and top five goalkeepers What's the point of doing yeah. top 10? Now, just remind the <laughs> listeners, Josh, how we mm-hmm. came upon these uh, top 10 
uh, rankings. Yeah, the the criteria that we used, right? Yeah. So this is a it's basically a series of weights. They're not all equally weighted, but the the weights are uh, historical performance, uh, high ceiling, high floor, uh, value, right? So uh, kind of the the price that they're offering versus what we expect their return to be, uh, squad quality. Um, are they fun to own? So that's sort of the uh, make fantasy fun again factor. Uh, not not the hugest weight, but it, it, sometimes it's a little bit of a tiebreaker. Uh, and then risk factors. So injury, rotation, suspension, possibly leaving by a transfer. These are all things that, that can ding players a little bit in the criteria. So we sent all this off to IBM. And they mm-hmm. put it through their, their deep blue system. It cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, we'll never financially recover from this. But it was a good... Cloud computing it, costs are going to yeah. come down in the future, I believe. We, we've, been told, we've been told that. Yeah, exactly. And so they, they said next year, you know, they'll, they'll do the entire thing over for us again for only $550,000. Okay. And I think we that's get, a nice... We get bumped nice, up to the enterprise level at that point? Yeah, exactly. So that'll be a nice savings. I think this is going to end up costing us seven figures in the end. But you know what? We love... We love doing this kind of content, Brandon, and it, it was worth it was worth the million dollars. And I don't need a house anyway. You know, this is this is this is we're doing this for the. We're podcast. gonna have to introduce a new Patreon tier to support this podcast. <laughs> the bias a house tier. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, we're doing ten defenders, five goalkeepers. Uh, partially, I mean, the the keepers. We'll mention a couple people who missed the cup, but in, in some ways, the the keeper situation is is pretty cut and dry. Do you want a very expensive keeper? Do you want a very cheap keeper? Or do you want somebody in the middle, right? And if you do that, you there's only one, one million separating the uh, <laughs> yeah, those, exactly. those three That's levels. True. <laughs> but somehow it becomes a, a huge, a huge decision. Uh, and I, I'm a little, I'm, I'm interested myself in where I'm not 100 percent sure where I'm going to go. And I'm, I'm sort of debating between what I think are our number one and number two um, picks. So we'll, we'll get to that. I think we're going to defenders first, kind of get that out of the way because there's a. I would say of all the. Um, all the categories, this was the, the trickiest one, just because there are so many defenders. Yeah. Uh, new players that have joined the league, you have defenders from promoted teams. Uh, so I would say in general, I, I'm a little surprised. I thought we would have more promoted teams maybe cracking the defender list, maybe the goalkeeper list. Um, at the moment, I'm just still not seeing a crazy amount of value. I'd say there's you know George Baldock, the Sheffield United defender, um, who is the other? There's a Luton Town defender you were mentioning yeah, to there's me. Yeah, um, Issa Kabore is a loanee right. from Man City. And what, what yeah. makes Kabore stand out as a 4.0 defender at, at Luton is every loan that he's gone to from City, he's started. Uh, he started uh, for Marseille last season, scoring one goal for them. So he plays on the right where um, uh, Amari Bell plays on the left. So you could see two starting 4.0 fullbacks for Luton. This is our guess at this point. Now, if you go back a few seasons to John Lundstrom, one of the most legendary 4.0 defenders to come into the game, he came up with Sheffield United uh, the last time Sheffield United was promoted, and he ended up playing out of position in the midfield, almost an attacking midfield role. So what happens with uh, promoted teams is often they'll just serve up a surprise that is harder to uh, anticipate until we get to game weeks two or three so the advice typically on a 4.0 guy is just take a gamble on one if you get the wrong 4.0 guy be prepared to immediately jump on the one that's going to be the clear runaway favorite 
Yeah, because in, in theory, we, we are trying to look all the way through to the end of the season, and it would just be kind of ludicrous for us to have like a number, like a Luton Town defender seventh or something like that, <laughs> just, just, on pure, just on pure speculation and, and value alone. And I think one thing um, I think you'll also find as you look through this is that uh, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of 4.5 million defenders out there, uh, both fullbacks and center backs on teams that are quite good teams that are playing in Europe this year. And I think that there's a lot of, if you can just go up to 4.5, assuming that's, it kind of depends on what kind of sort of team you're putting together. Uh, I, I'm going back and forth myself a little bit. I actually am currently in a 4.42 um, template. Well, so we basically where we are right now, Brandon, we're going to do something midweek to be determined. We might, we might up with some more of these baseball cards. Let's see what, let's see what happens. We're going to, we're going to figure something out. Uh, and then next Sunday is our game week one preview pod. The yeah. season is that close finally. So, um, the game week one pod, we're going to, uh, reveal our teams or as close as we can get to what those teams will look like. Uh, we'll do another pod at midweek for our Patreon supporters. That'll be more of like a team reveal last second advice sort of thing. So, uh, that's just sort of a roadmap for the next uh, couple of weeks for us as we get, as we get closer. It always feels so far away when we start doing this, this pod content and then yeah. suddenly it's like, boom, it's, it's right there. So let's do um, so, a, let, let's yeah. do a quick plug for the Patreon, Josh, since you yes. brought it up, uh, patreon.com slash always cheating. What is this? Why do we keep, pushing it well it is uh our listeners way of supporting us financially so josh and i can continue to do not one but two pods a week so if you become a patreon supporter you get an extra ad-free podcast every uh thursday evening before the game week deadline and you also get access to our discord where we can talk strategy you can talk directly to me and or josh or just hang out with uh, our supporters who are great managers in their own right, talk strategy, yep. talk movies, food, whatever you want. Um, and Find some uh, mini leagues, yeah, money or uh, otherwise. Yeah, the, the, the hashtag mm-hmm. make it interesting that you brought up there. Yeah. You join, the you, Brendan, you join our Patreon, you're going to make money. Right, because you're going to join all these mini leagues. None all right, no promises, us, no course. promises. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's no true. Problem. Then we're not doing like sweepstakes territory or whatever. All right, but, but, I forget but, that. Uh, yeah, legally, I did not say any any of what I just said. The promise is is it's a way to say thanks and get a lot more FPL content in in return uh, of the always cheating variety. And who is our newest thank you this week, Josh? Uh, yeah, Damien Zillis, and uh, we actually we got quite a number of new Patreon supporters this week, but I think we covered most of them on the. The, the the midfield pod that we did late last week. So thank you again to all of our newest uh, Patreon supporters. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, support the pod. Even if you're not even if you're not listening to that second podcast each week, it's really just a way to support us and say thanks for um, for creating the podcast. So um, Brandon, I also wanted to quickly mention the always cheating Super League. Mm. Sorry, the, normally this this these this housekeepings. I don't I don't really like that term. It sounds Sounds like a sounds like something I wouldn't want to listen to if I heard the word housekeeping, you know. <laughs> but but uh, just a couple quick notes because we're still in the preseason. We want to note uh, the Always Cheating Super League. Now is the time to get in there. The mm-hmm. winner gets the pick of their choice from the Always Cheating Shop, including the new uh, not mugs, the new glassware. We have we have actual glassware coming yeah. to the shop, right, Brad? Yeah, we just announced that at the uh, Volkswagen and Producer Patreon tier, you get a free 16 ounce pint glass with the uh, Always Cheating logo on there. They look cool and those will be making their way into the online shop uh, at some point early this season if people yeah. want to go buy them. Yeah, so that's cool. Hoodies, hoodies and T-shirts and mm-hmm. more. So uh, you can join the Super League. Uh, if you go to alwayscheating.com or website, there's an auto-join link at the top. You can also put in code A63ECL. And finally... 
We wanted to thank our supporters for our preseason content, Fantasy Football Hub. You can go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk slash always for 50% off membership at any tier. You know, Brendan, I get a little email ding every time somebody uses that code. And mm-hmm. they've been coming in fast and furious. And so that's that's a that's a very cool thing. It sounds like a lot of people are taking advantage of the 50% off offer. So uh, go do that. You get expert content from some of the smartest, most most interesting, but also just like best managers. I mean, mm-hmm. Ben Crown alone, not, not only does he create all of this, um, all this content that, you know, helping us sort of guide through the, the blanks and the double game weeks. Uh, he's also one of the probably five or 10 best managers in, in all of fantasy. Yeah. And so he's uh, there talking with people and helping, helping, you know, guide them in strategies. A lot of other managers, a lot of other um, great, great uh, people involved in, in the hub as well. Uh, you can win your mini league and get, if you, win your mini league or get your money back is one of the guarantees. You can go to the what website and learn more about that. Get your team rated for free. And the thing that you and I both love is the access to the Opta data. Digging through there. Uh, not everyone can spend a million dollars on Deep Blue, Brandon. And this is a, this is a way uh, <laughs> yeah, it's to a get in cheap. Yeah, yeah, it's a workaround. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk. Yeah. We'll, you know, we're, we're data sort of friendly. Uh, we're not data heavy on always cheating. But a resource like that through the yeah. hub is always totally. like the most meaningful uh, yeah. tiebreaker if you have a tough transfer decision to make one week or you just want to say exactly. are my eyes deceiving me uh the, the yep. matches i watched this weekend do the stats reflect what i what i think and you can kind of like marry all of these things to make yep. um some great decisions throughout the season we we respect and fear data don't we brandon I yeah, think we that's do. the right way to put it all right so let's take a break we'll get back and start talking about our top 10 defenders for this season all right brandon we're back Top 10 defenders and goalkeepers for the new season. We're going to kick things off with defenders. Uh, a couple of opening notes here. I, I mentioned this at the top, but it really, it was very hard to limit it to 10. Uh, we did it just for, for, for cleanliness, uh, to keep clean, Brandon. That's what I, ever since COVID, <laughs> I like to keep those hands washed uh-huh. and, uh, and stay safe. So uh, we, want a, we want a clean list as well. That's the so reason why we mark this oh, every yeah. episode of this uh, uh, podcast is clean. Exactly. Content. It doesn't have that parental advisory on there at all. We, we, I think we even cut out the swears. We're actually cursing almost nonstop over the course of these pods. <laughs> but you, you cut them out so you know, judiciously. You wouldn't even know that they were cuts. Um, value was certainly a factor here as well. There were a lot of uh, there were a lot of great defenders, uh, players that will be in many squads that just didn't make the cut, A, because we were stuck to 10, and, and, and B, because we were trying to uh, factor in value here as well, like players that you might actually realistically have in your team. If this was just a, a listing of how many points we thought the top 10 would have over the course of the season, then mm-hmm. the list would be a little different and would mostly be top four teams, right? Top four or five teams. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple people just missed the cut. Uh, Saliba, uh, Fabian Schar, Ben White, who I, I think is just uh, that 5.5 million bump. Just that's really what hurt him there. So again, that's where the value is just not as good value anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Ben Chilwell, uh, who, uh, I don't know that I'm having him early on. Will I have him by game week four? Let's see. I think it's very possible. Um, so there's a handful of people who just missed the cut. Who else, Brent? I know that you and you and I weren't totally eye to eye with our with our feelings about some of these defenders. Is there anyone who didn't make the cut that you want to give a little bonus shout out to uh, here? Uh, yeah. Well, I I guess it's kind of funny to me that Joe Cancelo is on this list, though he's been like popping up preseason, getting minutes, had an assist to Erling Holland. 
Um, and then Reese James is like the highest ceiling defender, uh, but because we all have previous with Reese James, he has found himself uh, on 25th yeah. on the list. He got he got dinged on both the injury risk. I think he got yeah. like the highest possible ding you can have on that. And also, we, we had to ding him on the fun factor a little bit because it is... It has not been fun owning James the last year. Yeah, and a half or when so. it actually is fun does not make up for the times that are more frequent <laughs> when they're unfun. What I've enjoyed <laughs> yeah. with uh, one player that we're going to mention near the top of the list and Reese James is this preseason has been like a political campaign for some clubs where it's like Reese James is like, I'm not saying I'm running for captain of the club. I'm just saying it would be an honor if I were to be. Uh, considered captain of the club, but I'm like, Reece James Kemp. That's <laughs> who asked interesting. You? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a uh, he's a great player for the for the club. I feel like there is a Chelsea listener out there who like hates my guts and all his uh, my preseason <laughs> jawing uh, in Chelsea's it's the, direction. The team that- it's a little bit of the team that you, you that you say the the worst stuff about is always Everton for some reason. I don't know why you just you, you've never been meaner than when yeah. you're talking about Everton. So yeah. we'll see if that changes on. But on but looking fight. at the uh, other defenders who missed the cut, they are going to all I think surface as we chat about yeah. the top ten because they share clubs and it's it's going to be a well this person in the top. 10 position could be replaced by their colleague, sure. the same club that is farther down you, the list. You mentioned, you mentioned Kinsella, but he's not in the top 10. Are you, you think he should have been in the top 10? Oh no. I just think he's uh, just uh, an interesting uh, player to highlight as, as we get yeah. into it. No, I mean, he's going to be in the squad. It's, it's a weird one with him, right? I mean, stranger things have happened. We don't know yeah. if Joe Kinsella just showed up and said to Pep Guardiola, like, Mia culpa, uh, please let sure. me back in. Has Pep changed the system so much that Joe couldn't play in that like uh, inverted uh, fullback position? He probably could. So, uh, I mean, don't be surprised if uh, somehow it works out and Joe Cancelo is is back getting minutes in the Premier League yeah. under Pep. Or yeah, if if not for if not for them, then for somebody else, right? It's a. Uh, uh, I'm just. I was just googling Cancelo to see if there's any like like last 24 hours news uh arsenal have been told that man city want to sell Cancelo asap that's in uh, inverted <laughs> commas so there there you go uh sure replace yeah. zinchenko yeah. with joe Cancelo. i think that's the move for arsenal you know in yeah. out with one man city purchase and in with the next it's like do you would you want i mean i guess if you got him at the right price but he, he feels like he's a lot of trouble there's a lot of Right, Bayern Munich mm-hmm. basically didn't play him at all once he moved there. Right, it just, it uh, if just it, if, it, if it were my club, I'd have a strict no bad apples policy. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's always the, it's the classic like he's not a bad apple, he just wants to win so much. But it's like yeah, you, know, you have to kind of sublimate your whatever. Okay, let's let, let's let's leave the so, Cancelo. So what you say to behind. your boss, a potential boss in a job interview, like my greatest weakness is I try too hard, or like I, yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. a perf- my, I'm a perfectionist. Yeah, I, I sometimes I sublimate my ego too much for the <laughs> sake of the team. <laughs> All right, let's kick things off then with number ten, Rico Henry. Now I fought for Henry. Uh, this was this was a, 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 one of the trickier ones on here. My case for Henry. Yep. Uh, here's a couple things. 
uh, 4.5, so good price. Uh, he's uh, 7% owned. He had 37 starts last season. I think he had roughly the same the season before that. He's a very consistent starter uh, for Brentford. Uh, he's an incredibly stable player in a stable and trustworthy Premier League squad. And I, I say that with or without Raya. I think even without David Raya, I think that they that the stability should be in place. And uh, he gets a little extra bump because he's 0.5 million cheaper than me. Um, he had zero goals last season. He had two extra. He had one really golden chance last year where he really sh- should have scored. But I think you're kind of getting... It just sort of depends. Uh, you know, obviously, if Ryan moves, I mean, this is just like just today, we, we got the the breaking news that Arsenal are now in talks with Brentford over David Raya. So we will see what happens there. Uh, if that, if that does happen, I, I, I'm sure that Brentford have a plan for, for what they'll, what they'll do. But, um, that causes a kind of little bit of chaos up and down with both Brentford and Arsenal. But, but even still, I think that, um, it's, it's not that I think Rico Henry is absolute fantasy gold, but he's just incredibly trustworthy. Like you could just have him in your squad for pretty much the entire season. He's going to end up with a very solid points tally. He's going to chip in three or four assists, might get you a goal or two. Um, he's going to start most matches, even in double game week. I think you're going to feel pretty, pretty confident in him. So that's, that's sort of where, why I've got Rico on my, on my list here. Yeah, it's all fair. And I like Rico Henry, the player, my issue with, I, I force you to put him farther down the list because I'm, I'm dubious of Brentford here in the preseason. I don't think, I just think Brentford are going to take a little bit of a tumble. It does yeah. go back to the goalkeeper conversation, which we're not even in the goalkeeper section yet, but they've been starting with, together though. Yeah. yeah. They've been starting with this dude Flecken, uh, mm-hmm. who I think is a complete pretender as far as I can Flecken. tell. Uh, I think he's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> uh, you don't think so? <laughs> um, and, and then, so, Rhea, uh moving, and he's not even been with the squad the last couple of weeks here in the U.S., so he's gone. Like There's, mm-hmm. there's just no way, He's as, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. Uh, yep. Bayern Munich was another team that was on the list, and then Ivan Tony being out. So, you know, Thomas Frank, we trust him. He'll be able to, you know, make lemonade to a degree, but I just think that's just one too many bits of turmoil at the club and i think the first thing to typically go in that situation for a like a well-rounded there brentford can be a defensively they can be a good defensive team but i think that stems from them just being a really well-rounded outfit it's not like they're a a stoke or a shove united or a burnley where they're just like incredibly stout a defensive unit and also like raya uh chipping in with some incredible you know clean sheet yeah. saving saves so all this put together I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if there's another place to go with my 4.5 defender i think that's fair I, I guess i would push back a little bit on the idea that um that they're not somewhat defensive minded i mean i i think it's more that they're they're not kind of all defense the way that some of the maybe bottom half they're, they're kind of they're they're an interesting spot because they, they just have a very solid midfield and a very stable back line right you have mm-hmm. i think with with pinnock and me you have two very solid stable center backs uh me unfortunately is, is priced at five million which which if he was 4.5 i probably would have had him in that spot over over henry yeah um, i like me too and yeah, and uh, yeah, you like well, meet the Me Too, Me Too movement, Brandon. It's been very, very powerful and important. Uh, the uh, but I think you know Pinnock, Pinnock and Henry. That's kind of there. I guess I just 
tilt towards Henry because he starts as much as Pinnock and in general, give me the fullback over the center back. Right. I often don't find that to be the case. I often like to have center backs as my, uh, like if I'm going to have a cheap person, I'm sticking the back on my bench. I typically want it to be a center back because they're just, they just start all mm-hmm. the time. Right. Whereas fullbacks can get rotated more, but that just really hasn't been the case with Henry. And this goes back to his time in the championship with Brentford too. So very solid player in that club. And yeah, I guess solid is just the key word. And so maybe, maybe this is a, a slightly boring pick for number 10, but um, there's just the kind of guys that you can win a mini league based on. Right. It's just, you're going to get minimum two points. He has a pretty high floor. I'd say too. Like he's not a, he's not a red card magnet, right? You can, you can basically count on two points from him. And then every now and then you're going to, you're going to get a, an assist, a clean sheet and a 12 pointer. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe you get a couple of those a season and that's enough to, to jump into a, whatever top three in a mini league or something like that. Okay. That's the best case we can possibly make for Brentford at the moment. Well done, Rico <laughs> Henry. You're in, you're in the yeah, top yeah. 10. If you're, if you're Ben Chilwell listening to this podcast, what do you think about me making that, that long case? But again, it's, it's about price and value. It's yeah. not just about who's the best. Totally. Yeah. And that, that is like tip number one to new fantasy managers is don't try to use fantasy as a way to show you know more about football than anybody else. Cause this is, this Dangerous. is hardly no, yeah. knowing who the best footballer is. It's who, yeah, yeah. who works best in your fantasy team, which yep. brings us to uh, number nine, who is yep. Kieran Trippier. And this is a case in point of how our model and how IBM uh, does their tricks, where this guy getting bumped up to 6.5 has caused us to completely reevaluate the Kieran Trippier yeah. uh, phenomenon and ask ourselves, is it worth it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is it worth it? I mean, it? what do you... Th- I, I, I don't think it is. I mean, I, I honestly can't imagine having Kieran Trippier. I, I have to yeah. be honest. I mean, I just think yeah. at, at, uh, at 6.5 million, given the way he, if, if he had stayed, if he had been as incredible as he was the first half of the season and that had lasted the entire season, I maybe would feel a little bit differently, but early on it was almost, it almost became a joke. It was like they would, he wouldn't get an assist or a goal and they would concede and he would still get three bonus points. It was like, it was, you almost, yeah, his floor was insane. And then, uh, the second half of the season, who knows why, if it was, uh, I don't know who knows, right. It was just like a kind of the end, like, you know, this sort of new squad, maybe there was a little bit of exhaustion. I don't really know, but they, they stopped keeping clean sheets and uh, the attacking threat wasn't quite there to the point where you really just didn't need to have Trippier down the stretch. He wasn't really a, a must-own player. And for someone to, for, you know, for a defender to be priced at $6.5 million, it's hard for me not to hold on to that idea that he just wasn't really an essential player the last half of the... Like, compare that to someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, who we're going to talk about you know, closer to the top of the pot. He's $8 million this season, which is an incredibly high price. But... Any week in fantasy where you don't have Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know who he's playing, what he's up to. You're tracking that match to see what he's doing, whether you own him or not. And Trippier was not that kind of player down the stretch. And so 6.5 is, is a bit of a killer, especially when you can you can get, going into this season, a starting Newcastle defender for $4.5 million, right? You can get someone like Sven Botman for yeah. super cheap. Yeah, and that's it. And I think there's more value in the Newcastle defense if we do decide that we trust the Newcastle defense. I would say Newcastle's fixtures to start the season aren't my favorite. They have Villa at home in game week one, followed by City and Liverpool back-to-back. Then it's Brighton, Brentford, 
before yep. they get to a better run. So I don't see a lot of clean sheets in the first month when we're like pre-early wild card season. He's 35% owned. I mean, it's funny because his ownership is quite high. It's it's going to hurt if he scores a free kick goal in the first. I'm actually surprised he only scored one goal last season. Like Looking back, I just would have assumed. I mean, that was at least in the Premier League. Maybe he scored a couple in other. Um, I, did, I didn't check out every yeah. um, cup competition, but uh, only only one Premier League goal last season. It, it felt like he offered a lot more goal threat than that, just on, on free kicks during the course of the season. High year. ownership on a player like this just makes me hope that I'm right because then mm-hmm. his price will drop by the time I'm triggering that early wild card. And if yeah. if things yeah. are shaping up better than we think for Newcastle, then there'll be a, an easier way in with Kieran Trippier. So yeah, keep yeah, bringing him true. in, newbies, and then you can drop him in game week three <laughs> when you've got nothing yep. from him. That's how it works. All right, let's go on to number eight here. We're just flying through these, Brandon. Yeah. Remember, we're just, you know, we're... we're peak form right now john stones 5.5 million 25 percent ownership it's a little high uh two goals to two goals to assist and inexplicably just seven clean sheets kept last season uh so to talk about john stones is to talk about kind of all the man city defenders and you know the question is is it worth owning any of them and if so it's probably him right he would be the he'd be your your go-to man city defender pick I'd say John Stones in the Premier League is one of the most well-rounded defenders. I mean, and you can see that just in he can play in so many different positions. He's played in fullback and he's played center back. Now yep. he's playing that inverted midfield role. Yep. And But then you just look at these fantasy returns, two goals, two assists, and just seven clean sheets for the best team in the division last season, treble winner. Yeah. It's like... Talk about no value. There's just zero value in uh, the city defense. And even if other models than ours would say city have the best clean sheet odds going into the start of the season with their own really good fixtures, I kind of don't care. Yeah, it's too bad. We really don't have that attacking fullback like we've had in Kinsella the last couple of seasons. I mean, we were just talking about Kinsella a minute ago, and it's just clearly that is not a player we want to consider early on because it's, I mean, who knows? I guess if we, if the, you know, Community Shield takes place next Sunday and Kinsella's out there starting and Pep reaffirms his love for him and all is forgiven, okay, fine. Maybe Kinsella enters back in. We cannot replace him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the moment, it's, I guess, Ake maybe deserves a little bit of consideration here. He has been shown to have a little bit of versatility, right? He can play as a, as a left-sided fullback or he can play as a center back. And so maybe that helps his security of starts, at least going into the Champions League. But it's just, it is not super fun to go into the season with having any of these Man City center backs and, yeah. or, or fullbacks, whatever, and just thinking, okay, like let's hope I can get a couple starts out of these guys. It's just, you never feel great about it. And so yeah. uh, it's it's... I, I'm not positive. I have stones in my squad right now, but it feels like that might be like a little bit of a template pick. Maybe it's just it's kind of seeped in because a few other people do it. I, I don't feel very excited about having stones in my squad, I have to say. I tried all last season to make it work with Ederson, with Akanji, and they yeah. City are so good they that they are just always on in the opposition side of the pitch. They're so high. 
one yeah. mistake and the opposing team is in on goal and they're yeah. not exactly like fresh and reactionary in the 85th minute. And that's when yeah. all the miserable clean sheet wipeouts happen. And that's why I just don't want any yeah. part. And again, because there's not a, a go-to fullback option right now, it's those, someone like Kinsella, the clean sheets didn't matter quite so much because you were still, the chance for an attacking return yeah. was ever present. I mean, he had 11 yeah. assists a year, year and a half ago. So, um, you know, that's, that absolutely makes up for any lost clean sheets. All right, let's let's move on um, to number seven. Another interesting one, uh, Zinchenko. Now, speaking of Man City, former Man City player, now a left uh, left back for Arsenal. There was always this talk that maybe he would move into the midfield once things got settled in at Arsenal. That really never happened. I'm not sure he played in midfield even once last season. Um, fully fully uh, enmeshed in that uh, left left back fullback spot. Um, I think that. And I don't really, I guess that could maybe change now. Um, it sort of depends on what happens uh, in the in central midfield, right? They've, um, it sounds like we're going to see um, um, Havertz in that midfield role, but maybe that could be a spot where Zinchenko ends up at some point. Kind of depends on, mm-hmm. you know, if Gabriel Jesus got injured, maybe there's some kind of like, cascading effect where Havertz plays as a four. I don't know. But like, I mean, so what do you think about Zinchenko just in general? Yeah. And Timber, who has uh, just come onto yes. the club, he, he uh, was playing on the left, I believe against Barcelona the other night. And it was him. And then Ben White on the other side, there's so many threats to all these positions suddenly at Arsenal. That said, yeah. If, if we got the all clear that Zinchenko was going to be prefer- preferred in the starting 11, I l- just really like how all action he is. And I like how versatile he is in the attack when he can come inside or go outside. Five million. I feel like I'm going to be more excited about Arsenal once we get to another name on this list where mm-hmm. I, I just think it, it, where we can get more stability. Arsenal well, is, is yeah. also an interesting defensive conversation. I mean, I wonder where they're going to be at with total clean sheets. Yeah, well, you know, why season. don't we do, we haven't really done this with our with our preview pods that much, but I, I think we might as well just have that conversation now. Uh, why, why wait until we get to? So we have Gabriel at number four, right? And so Gabriel gets the bump over Saliba because of goal threat, over Zinchenko because of stability, mm-hmm. and over White because of price. So those are the three factors that, that put Gabriel at number four. We have Zinchenko at number seven. I think that's an appropriate spot for him. Yeah. But Zinchenko was dinged a little bit by injuries last season. I would say less rotation than injuries. I and mean, obviously, he does have a couple of players who could play in that spot. But I see, I see Zinchenko as a very, very stable part of, of, of the starting 11 for um, for mm-hmm. Arsenal. And so I do wonder if, I mean, Zinchenko's at 11% ownership, Gabriel's at 20. I mean, it's pretty close. You're not really getting, um, you know, if you went for Zinchenko, it's not like this is like a huge value pick. Uh, but I do think in, there is a kind of world where Zinchenko is much better uh, from an attacking perspective mm-hmm. than Gabriel, right? I mean, Gabriel is, is very threatening on set pieces, but Zinchenko, I mean, we've seen it with Man City. We've seen it with um, the Ukrainian national team. Like he can absolutely score. He can get assists. So um, I do think that it's, it, this is like uh, of these two players, it'll be very, uh, maybe it include all four of the kind of starting backline for Arsenal. It'll be very interesting to see where all of them are in January. If we revisit this list, like how many points 
all of them have, what their ownership looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, it could be very, we could be very surprised, I think, by what we see um, in January. I think Gabrielle and Saliba are interchangeable in, in this case. You could put Saliba at four, Gabrielle at four. It's just going to depend on who's in the right place on the set pieces at any given yeah. moment. The thing I really like about Saliba is he's better at collecting bonus if it's just... If it's a nil-nil draw, uh, Saliba's probably yeah. going to end up with more points than Gabrielle, and that's really appealing to me at the same price. And again, I think, yeah, the, the back four was stable for Arsenal last season, but the introduction of Timber, I think, is could could be mass chaos. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. With the Champions League, maybe that does create a little a little too much chaos to make uh, Zinchenko fun, even as a kind of speculative yeah. pick. Um you and I are not XG obsessives by any means, but I do think it's worth noting when comparing Gabriel and uh, Saliba that Gabriel had more than five XG last season, and Saliba was at, um, I think, just shy. He was at 0.91 XG. So, again, not the end all be all, but I think that does maybe indicate that Gabriel has a little bit more of a, of a knack for, yeah. for scoring on, on set pieces. And I think that is a good tiebreaker between those two. I hear you on bonus points though. Sure. Also, it feels like Gabriel is a little more likely to do something really stupid, like uh, <laughs> pick up a yellow card or concede a penalty than, than Saliba yes. is. So that is maybe a factor as well. All right. So we've uh, traveled forward in time to fourth place. Now we'll travel back in time to sixth place. Yeah. I'm excited to talk yeah. about Aston Villa here. Um, because uh, they just wrapped up their final summer series game against Brentford and drew uh-huh. 3-3. There have been like no clean Ooh. sheets of any kind in this yeah. summer series. Brighton did have one with uh, our guy Jason Steele. But uh, Tyrone Mings we have at uh, number six, four and a half million. So the value is quite decent for a team that could be going to an even more stable defensive shape under Unai Emery. 15% ownership shows there is some uh, excitement and enthusiasm about Villa here, and they, you know, they're going to be fighting on the European front as well, but I think Emery's whole, his whole, his whole soul is, is clean sheets. I think he's the, he's the fantasy manager that we, we really want in the Premier League right now when we're thinking about our defense. Yeah. Right alongside Tyrone Mings is going to be Pau Torres, who is a new center back that Emery signed, who he managed at Villarreal when they last won the Europa League. And so it's been Pau Torres starting alongside Kansa and Mings. I think Mings is in the center Pau Torres is on the left and Kansa is on the right. If they okay. go to two center backs, it feels like it's going to be Mings and Pau Torres and Kansa is going to be the guy that gets kicked to the bench. All that said, um, I, it's kind of like a similar Gabriel versus Saliba conversation for Mings and Pau Torres where they sh- will probably be interchangeable with the with uh, with the understanding of who's going to be better and more threatening on set pieces. And Mings certainly uh, has proven that he can score on, on set pieces. So uh, he's he's good. I think he's justified in sixth place here. Yeah, I thought he would come in at $5 million this season. And I think, again, 4.5 just makes him a... 
I, I, it's like I need a synonym for value, so I don't just keep saying that again and again and again. But I, it does feel like you're seeing, de- I mean, three consecutive seasons with 10-plus clean sheets for Mings, which is, I think, a nice, points to a little bit of stability in the squad. He, you know, he's not the captain of the squad. That's John McGinn. But it feels like he's a, a very important part of that 11. And so even if Paul, even if there is some rotation risk with, with, with Torres. Also, they are playing in Europe this year. And uh, I think it's, it's the European Conference League, right? So I think... Um, I don't know how much they'll be playing for the first 11 in the maybe early matches there. Uh, so not too much of a factor. And so they will need a little bit of um, a little bit of squad depth. And I, I'm not sure that that means that Mings doesn't start, though, early on. I think that maybe maybe Torres gets some of those uh, some of those starts early, maybe works his way into the squad a little bit. So people will be wondering, listening to this, why are we talking about center backs when you've got like Matty Cash on the right, Alex Moreno on the left, Alex Moreno uh, is coming back from a hamstring injury, supposedly be out for another month once the season starts. So okay. he's kind of off the table. But Matty Cash did score against Brentford today. Uh, and yeah. he almost connected with Watkins on a, a really nice uh, build-up move. So uh, what's what's the deal with Matty Cash in your mind? Can I, can I sell you on him? 4.5 as well, 4.3 ownership yeah. currently. So he's he's definitely flying under the radar. It's true. I mean, I guess the case for Cash is very similar to the case for Rico uh, Henry. I don't know why. I, you know, it's like I almost feel like I mean, he was he was a little too expensive last season, so maybe that's a factor. I think he was he came in he was yeah he was five million last season, um, and I've just like never owned him in fantasy, and it's never hurt me. And so, <laughs> you know, to a certain degree, I'm just like it. Whereas Mings has hurt me. Time and time again over the years, mm-hmm. uh, he's there's random fifteen pointers from from Mings and other people owning him in fantasy, and so maybe that's maybe it's like there's like some sort of pain quotient here or something yeah. like that. But I I do think it's a useful maybe it's a dumb way to think about it, but it's like, it's a useful way for me to think about it sometimes, which is basically it's like comparing um, Trippier and 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 uh, Trent earlier mm-hmm. on in the pot, right? It's mm-hmm. it's just who's going to really hurt you if they do well, and it yeah. just feels like and maybe i just feel like mings is a little more stable cash um i don't know i mean i i don't know do you, if you want to sell me on maddie cash brennan go ahead i i for whatever he, it wasn't like he was 50th on our list he just wasn't quite at the he didn't quite crack the top 10 maybe for uh for historical track record reasons he got knocked down a little bit well well that's it it's it's the historical track and i which means i can't make the case for cash i think the way villa are gonna play and the just the the historic output from a player like Cash versus Mings is this is just one of those weird situations where you're just going to get more fantasy points from a center back if you buy into Villa. I mean, Cash yes. did score four yeah. goals in the 21-22 season. If he could build on that this season, then he could quite easily blow Mings or Torres away. But I yeah, I'm just not uh, I'm not optimistic. Yeah, it's like I just don't feel good about it i don't really know why but we'll, we'll see i think that i think there's a case for cash a case for cash that sounds like a uh mm-hmm. like a mystery like a i don't know one of those like a lee dayton mystery it's a true crime game show is what that is we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, all right, let's move on to number... We're just flying through these, brands. Let's move on to the top five, mm-hmm. okay? In yeah. fifth here. We've got some heavy hitters here. We, we already... We already Talked about one of those heavy hitters in Gabrielle at number four. So we're going to go from five to three and just try to stay with us, Brandon, as this gets mm-hmm. wacky. Uh, we got Lucas Shawski in fifth place. Luke Shaw for short. Uh, he's sh- he shortened his name at some point, Brandon, the Polish mm-hmm. uh, footballing legend. Yeah, just, um, just so he could get his um, British citizenship to play for the I England think that's national what it team. Was. Yeah, exactly. He uh, 5.5 million, 32% ownership, one goal, four assists, and 12 clean sheets. Um, the 0.5 million bump does ding him just a tiny bit. Uh, doesn't offer quite as good value, I think, as some of the others um, uh, in and around. I, I don't know. I mean, he should battle. I think, I think he'll benefit from a more settled team, improved midfield. In some ways, five was about as low as you could put him. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think you could put him any lower than that. It's it's he's a fullback with who's on set pieces on a very strong defensive team that should get even better uh, with with Onana. Um, five point five feels like the right price. So it's it's not like he's he's not terrible value. Exactly. He can be a frustrating player to own in fantasy at times. I found I'm not quite sure why that is. And, yeah, tell me. Uh, tell me more about that. I don't know. It's like maybe it's like you always hope you're going to get a little more out of him. And it feels like so maybe it's more like uh, there's like a a frustration component there. I don't know. It feels like I'm I'm the one like pitching you on all these players for some reason. (laughs) You you tell me. What do you think about Luke Shaw? You love him. He should be one. I've got a theory about Luke Shaw, um, which is where a lot of our why do we have all this general bias against Luke Shaw? So if yeah. I compare Luke Shaw to um, Jack Grealish, fellow yeah. Englishman, yeah. Uh, Jack Grealish is like really cool, and we <laughs> like to laugh at him and enjoy his antics and watch him play. And it's uh-huh. it's it's it always feels like it's happening at a distance because I could never know a guy like Jack Grealish. He's unknowable in many <laughs> ways. Now, (laughs) English people would probably say, well, uh, you know, you just go to the bar, the pub on the corner, you meet a billion (laughs) guys like him. But there's just there's something special about Jack Grealish. Luke Shaw, Shaw, to me, seems like he seems a little too cool, but also but in that way where I know many Luke Shaw's in my life. Yeah, he he seems cool in a very normal way, and I think people look at Luke Shaw and say, "Why not me? Why Luke Shaw and not me?" Uh, That's interesting. And and people hate him for that. 
He doesn't look like, even though he's a professional athlete, I'm sure he's in great shape, but he doesn't look like yeah. he's in especially good shape. I know he's been un, maybe unfairly dinged for this his whole career, but it just, it, there's like an element of just like, does, like, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of with you. It's like, you could like totally like, I feel like he's the kind of guy that there's like eight of them that I see when I walk out my door and, uh-huh. of my office to go to lunch. Right. And like, yeah. uh, and like a, one of those like rep ties or whatever, yeah, buzz and, cut uh, and a polar you know, fleece cut. vest. And, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. He would totally have one of those pat, one of those Patagonias that has Morgan Stanley on yep. the left side of the patch. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's Luke Shaw. That's true. Yeah, but um, also those guys, those guys make like a million bucks, right? They're very so this, successful. This, it's that's, that, it, yeah. that's it. So Luke yep, Shaw, yep. despite all of these things, is still crushing it. Uh, and look, look at him now. He's top five of the always cheating super. The Gary Vaynerchuk right? of uh, uh, fantasy. Yeah, I well mean, done, so I, I don't know if any of that served uh, in selling anybody on Luke Shaw. The thing is, just like Luke. I'm not probably I'm not going to start with Luke Shaw, but I will be looking for him in my rearview mirror, like like the the liquid metal Terminator. Like, is Luke Shaw like sneaking sneaking up on me, fantasy wise? You have to pay attention. I think that if I it, it depends on how I ultimately settle in, and I really want to have something reasonably settled by the time we do our pod a week from today, uh, our game week one preview pod, Brandon. At least be somewhat close to it, which is not always. Sometimes I wait a little too long, and then I I, I don't want that like last week of panic this season yeah. if I can if I can avoid it. But I think that if I go double Arsenal or double Man United midfield, I don't know if I'll have Shaw. If I only have a single Man United midfield player, I could see myself possibly having Shaw and Onana. Uh, to start off the season, uh, it's a, it's a real it's a nice fixture run for them. Uh, three home matches in their first five. Uh, they are away to Arsenal and Spurs in there as well. Um, but you feel like you could you could ride out to a first wild card, um, a, a Man United defender or two, and and get away with it. And I, I, the thing is, one goal and four assists is not actually that hugely impressive. I mean, I again, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Which you just always it feels like he should have a double digit assist season in his book. Right. And the most he's ever had was, is five. Um, and he's, uh, it was three last year and four, it was, it was four last year, three the season before that. Uh, he's only scored two goals in the last four seasons, uh, which seems quite low as well. And so in some ways he can't be lower than five because he's an attacking player on a very good team and should play a ton of matches. And, but in some ways, you don't really want him higher than five either, because yeah. he hasn't quite shown that he has the kind of explosive, yeah. next level, otherworldly. And and you know Gabriel Gabriel um, uh, Brazilian Gabriel, who we've got in, in fourth place, is not explosive, but he's only five million, right? Yeah. He's, he's 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 so cheap, and so that it sort of puts him ahead. And also, he's got way more goal threat than Luke Shaw offers, and so it kind of evens out from that perspective as well. I, I'm just going to say tactically, uh, it's Ten Hag wasn't able to try everything that he wanted to try last season because of a yep. shortage of personnel. It yep. looks like they're going to get Rasmus Hoyland over the line. Uh, so yep. there'll be a, a perhaps more pressing happening up front, which yep. means perhaps they can play a higher line, which is why you 
pay $50 million for a goalkeeper like Onana. So yes. what's the ripple effect, A, on the clean sheets for Manchester United? Are they much more vulnerable at the back because they're attacking all the time, sort of like what we were saying about Manchester Man City? City? And in that mm-hmm. same vein, does that make does, is that going to help Luke Shaw jump to that higher level, or is he just going to become like a complete pain point? for everybody. Yeah. So there's a few unknowns going into the start of the season. And did some of those changes elevate uh, Malasia possibly as well? Uh, Tyrell Malasia, who they brought in last season, got some minutes. He ended up with 14 starts on the season, mm-hmm. uh, virtually all of them at the left back spot. So that does maybe offer a little bit of risk. It's, it's kind of the same thing that dinged Andy Robertson in our rankings, which is that there's uh, Liverpool just have a quality fullback in um, uh, Samikas who can and should be starting, right? Not necessarily should be starting for Liverpool, but should be starting. He's good enough to start for most Premier League squads, right? So we got nine starts last season for Liverpool. So um, that that does ha- it has to ding you a little bit in these rankings too. So it's kind of funny that we have him fifth and we've done we've said nothing but bad things about Luxaw, <laughs> but uh, we do like him in general. Uh, but uh, that's this that's is where the he's... buyer beware pod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll move past uh, Gabriel um, again. I think that the uh, the David Raya signing would be awesome if that goes through in the next two weeks, which is how long we've got until the season starts. I guess the question is, and uh, and I think we can talk about this a little bit now because we didn't actually put Raya onto our top five goalkeepers because it was just, um, it's just too chaotic to have him there right now. No one knows where he is. No one knows where he is or where he's going. What are his whereabouts? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the question I guess would be if, if they bring in Raya, does he start it's so ruthless in, in a way that I'm. Very I guess I'm sort of imp- I'm sort of impressed by because this is exactly what happened with Burn Leno and Ramsdale, right? Yeah. Which is that Leno was was quite good, and then they brought in Ramsdale anyway, um, and so Ramsdale quite good, but has had some weak moments for sure. There's yes. no doubt about it. Even though we all enjoyed watching him on uh, being Arsenal, uh, we you know it's, it's certainly a. You could you could see Raya being an improvement, honestly, and so if but if he gets in, is he an immediate starter to the point where you trust him? And I guess specifically when it comes to defenders, does Raya's arrival make Gabriel and the other defenders more valuable for Arsenal, Brandon? I think more valuable. I think there is, it's a combination of of you mentioned Gabriel prone to mistakes, Ramsdale just. Yeah, you've said you've said it all there. I feel like the more confidence you can bring to Arsenal all over the pitch is just going to make yep. them better in all aspects. And yeah. Raya is that. You have to do that to carry yourself through multiple championship campaigns and be as good yep. as as he is. Though I still like one of the most hilarious moments as a Fulham supporter was um, Joe Bryan scoring that uh, promotion winning free kick from like 50 yards out against David Raya is completely blind to it but he's recovered in my in my estimation I like you this house is a is a pro Raya these, these are our respective homes are pro Raya pro Raya homes all right well let's move on to our top three then Brandon I like all three of these players the first one Maybe a little higher than some people would have expected, but I am very high on him as a fantasy asset this season. That's Virgil van Dyke, 6 million, 8.7% ownership. Uh, the premier center back in fantasy, in my opinion. He's stable. 
He offers goal threat. He's had double-digit clean sheets the last four seasons when healthy. Obviously, he missed a, almost a full season um, uh, because of the, uh, the, the Everton incident. Um, he's had at least three goals in his last four healthy seasons. And um, I think it's a little bit like you were saying with Aston Villa, where mm-hmm. the way this the team is set up and the number of set pieces that they're that they tend to have both you know corner kicks and um and just regular set pieces he's kind of always in the mix it gives him a great chance to pick up uh attacking returns um and uh you know his form did dip a little bit uh last season but i think it I think that's reflected in his price to a degree. I think that the fact that he is down to six million is a reflection that he they weren't keeping quite as many clean sheets. That he um, uh, maybe wasn't quite as rock solid back there. I mean his his bonus points were eh, I guess they were they're pretty much they actually had the same number of bonus points year over year that he had the season before. But you know doesn't get a lot of yellow cards. Never gets red cards. Doesn't really miss a lot of time with injury outside of the one full season, but he's not the kind of guy who gets dinged up very often in general. Uh, basically, because the way that he sort of positions himself, there's like never anyone within about 10 feet of him, right? <laughs> so he's sort yeah. of, uh, this is the way he sort of sets things up. So that's that's why I've got uh, Van Dyke third. Um, there is a chance that I go with Van Dyke over Trent in my final squad. It kind of just depends on whether I um, want to have Mo Salah because if you have Mo Salah, having Salah and Trent, um, you and I talked about a little bit on the midfield pod, Brandon, but I don't know. I don't know how you can do it. I really don't know how yeah. you can. Yeah, it's very hard to do because obviously you need to have Holland as well. So um, what are your thoughts on Virgil Van Dyke? I think he's the new Andy Robertson in that I have always thought of Andy Robertson as the discounted version of Trent. Now, of mm-hmm. course, it's very different with Virgil because he's not a, an attacking player the way Robertson was. But this is the way yeah. you're thinking about him. It's exactly the decision that you just outlined, Josh. It's a, I can't afford Trent, so Virgil is the next best thing. He's And he's, I think a really good next best thing and that you're saving one and a half. No, you're saving two million. Two million. Yeah. Which is which is huge. And the upside with uh Virgil that remains when getting rid of Trent is that you're still bought into what what I feel will probably be the second best team in the Premier League this season. That's what I'm 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 betting that Liverpool finishes over Arsenal. Um is is kind of what I'm feeling if everything goes their way. So there are so many clean sheets, and uh, Marlon, if you're listening, if you want to, uh, I'll bet you that Virgil Van Dyke scores more points than Tyrone Mings this season. <laughs> Is he a Mings head, or are you just putting Mings on him? That's a <laughs> yeah. I'm just forcing him to take Mings in that bet. Yeah, yeah. I bet he's going to score more points than Rico Henry this season. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I uh, think, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's the way, that's that's the interesting part of the exercise that where we've got the weighted factors and the the value portion of Van Dyke is what has just inflated him up yeah. the up these rankings. Yeah, and he's only 29 points. He only scored 29 points fewer than Trent last season. So we're not talking about a absolutely dramatic difference and I, I i don't know exactly how many respective matches both them missed from i guess i can just actually look let's see so trent had 34 starts last season van dyke had 32 right so i mean two fewer starts and still only 29 points away from trent so it's not 
I, and we'll see. I mean, well, yeah, let's hold off on, on, on getting too in-depth in, in Trent. He may he may appear higher up in these rankings, Brandon. Mm, we'll have to teaser. just just wait and see there. I think the one question with Liverpool is, uh, do they have a defensive midfielder or what? Like, Fabinho is now in Saudi Arabia. Um, even though the game is still listing him there, again, they have, they have to announce these changes faster, I feel like, Brandon. He's a... Uh, uh, what's his what's his ownership at? He's oh well, okay, he's at point one percent Fabinho, so he's not really hurting anybody. But who I'm looking at the squad right now? Who is playing as a defensive midfielder for them? Is it is it going to be Hart? Oh, I don't even really know. Is it? Uh, I, I saw I saw Curtis Jones yeah. had started yeah. earlier today. Yeah. They played Leicester and and waxed them four nil. And yeah, uh, it was Curtis Jones. McAllister would probably be a little more advanced than you know your last midfielder. Yep. Harvey Elliott's a little more advanced typically as well. I, I don't know. Does Gakpo suddenly go back there? and play? <laughs> I mean, genuinely, they, it, they, there's two weeks to go, and Liverpool don't have a defensive midfielder. So how much should that be worrying us when it comes to – or is it going to be Trent? Uh, there's some, like, the talk yeah. maybe Trent has to kind of fill in in the, in the DM spot for a while. Which kind of There's, like, a kind of logic to it. You just have him as, like, kind of a sweeper back there, and then he gets to come up on corners and set pieces. Like, maybe that works. I mean, but Trent's worst uh, aspect is breaking up play. He cannot tackle a person to save his life. That's true. That is true. to exist in Uh, space. That's true. So, yeah, does it make sense to make him even more important of a, as a defender? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think that that is the one question. I, I think that's honestly a thing that, that that is a factor with Trent as well at $8 million is do we uh, is there a concern that they're just not going to be quite strong enough defensively? Is, is, or is the attack so good that it, that it forgives that part of it? But obviously you do want to have um, – you would like to have a, a solid number of clean sheets from your defender, right? And uh, I mean, they only had ten last year. I mean, he only, you know, Trent only had ten last year. So I don't know. Is that a factor for you at all? Are you considering that? I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit, but it's relevant, I think, because we're talking about Liverpool. Like, what do you think about? Um, do we see? Do we think? Basically, is there any reason to think that they're going to be more stable defensively than they were for much of last season, which was pretty unstable? I guess the case I would make for them being more stable is. Uh, Fabinho was just so so poor. Addition by subtraction. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. It's kind of a poor way to answer that question. But I, 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 Still, I think yeah. I think going back to like the whole case for or against Brentford is is making Liverpool again more whole in all aspects yeah. of the pitch. I think yeah. helps them defensively if they could just hold more of the ball, control yep. the pace of the game, which they it was just so chaotic. And I think if uh, you know bringing in a younger, fresher midfield is whether it's defensive or not is going to help the defense. I think that's probably true, but they do need somebody to play in that spot. And so I, I, I would hope in the next couple of weeks we get a little more clarity on that. It's too bad they're not playing in the community shield. That would be a useful thing uh, mm-hmm. to see how they lined up in that. But we should have at least, I don't know what their friendly schedule looks like. We should have at least a couple more matches to, to assess. Uh, like I, It looks like we're starting to see something closer to real, like realistic versions of what the team might look like. I don't know if you saw Man City's uh, team sheet today, but they were really... It looked like a full-strength squad. They mm. were playing everybody. Uh, you, had, you had Holland and Foden and Alvarez all starting in that in the in their lineup. So it was kind of interesting. And Ruben um, right. Diaz scored a goal, uh, who we should have oh mentioned my gosh. as well. 
Ruby. Uh, all right, so we got two more to go here. Number two is Estupanon. I always want to add an extra syllable to his name for some reason. Uh, he's 5,051,000 owned. Incredible value at, at $5 million. Uh, really, it should probably be 5.5, only probably dinged by the game because it doesn't have enough historical data um, to, to back him up. Uh, one goal, seven assists. Uh, links up so well with the forwards. You and I talked at the beginning of the pod about the Newcastle-Brighton match that we saw this uh, um, on Friday night, and he was one of the best players in the pitch. I thought that uh, the whole team looked really good. Caseta looked really good as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I thought Matoma was really solid but just seeing a stupid on just absolutely bossing it down the left was really um if there was any doubt about whether he was going to be in my squad i'd say of any of the players we talk about in this week's pod the one that is an absolute mortal lock to be in my squad <laughs> is uh, a stupid on going into game week one yeah i don't think there's too much more to say beyond that incredible value really attacking great player I'm already, the season hasn't even started, and I feel like I'm eating my words from the end of last season where I predicted Brighton was going to have a huge downturn this season. But seeing how they've played through the preseason, just what we said at the top of the pod, how well-drilled you know, every every player in that squad yeah. is, they're going to be ready. I feel like if, you were, if you're listening to this pod and you haven't watched a ton of Premier League in the past and you were looking for a, a club to support, I think that Brighton would be uh, a club that could, make the cut for you uh maybe not threats to win the league but exciting they buy really well there's they're kind of very very little risk you'd imagine in the next handful of years to to be in any kind of relegation threat right just like a very solid well-run club so Mm -hmm. um i mean we'll see if they keep deserving that's the i guess that's the one question but um, it's certainly not the season. I think I think they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that brings us to number one, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. We started talking about him already. Um, the man, the myth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, he's so consistent: two goals and twelve assists, uh, and then two goals and eleven assists in the last two years. So every year you're going to get two goals and double-digit assists from him, and that's he's just a. And honestly, you maybe would expect um, him to score a little more than than he has so far. And um, you know the prices. Uh, insane uh eight million uh has not affected his ownership so far he's already at 29 percent ownership um but the question as you and i were talking about a little bit is where will he play is he for sure a right back or does he get slotted in somewhere else i mean he was kind of playing in the midfield yeah. near the end of last season uh seemed like that worked out but i mean can you just keep dropping midfielders you know no henderson no fabinho and just and that's still okay i mean he's just not a great defender so I, I think that is the that is the concern. He is a game week killer. Uh, that's his thing. He if you don't yeah. have him in any given game week, he'll bury you. Yeah. Uh, so this is and maybe that's managing out of fear, but I I think Trent is big in the fun factor quotient because to have him when he does have those you know, shoot the moon game weeks, it's sensational. You go, you, you shoot up the OR so, so fast. So I'm, I'm leaning toward figuring out a way to have him, uh, which I think for me is, uh, is ultimately going to mean I won't have Sala, uh, at, you know, as of this, he's never, he's never been a game week killer, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like, (laughs) yeah, I, I know. I mean, you're, you could you could see it uh, many different ways. I don't know. Yeah, this is. I again, you get you get to a good point. I know you made this point on, on Thursday's pod, but we'll say it again because this is people start to 
if, if you're in any whatever let's if you're in any kind of network uh twitter reddit whatever and you're starting to see a lot of people comment and build teams there's a feeling that starts to evolve like oh it's it's all everybody's priced too low we're all gonna have the same team or whatever but i think the trent and sala argument alone highlights that it really is pretty tricky. I think outside of there are a couple low prices, someone like Bruno is probably a little cheaper than he should have been a stupid on. Uh, and it's, that's reflected in their high ownership, uh, stupid on in particular 51%. But I think in general, I am definitely struggling to have all the good players in my team. <laughs> and I'm, I'm I feel like I'm, I'm forced to make some really difficult cuts. And I, I, I to, uh, you know, it's exciting to me. Like, I think it's really fun because we have two weeks to go. I don't even know what formation I'm going to play this season. And I think that's, that's a good sign. There are some signs, uh, you know, for a couple last couple seasons, uh, big at the back was a huge thing. Go heavy on defenders. Not seeing too much of that right now. Although again, the team I have right now is a four four two. But I think you could make an argument for you could. I think you could make honestly a compelling case for having one expensive forward and going with a, like a four five one. I think that would be a viable strategy. Just have Holland up front yeah. too. So um, there's lots of different ways to go. I think going into this season. I agree. Okay, so I think we've I've, we've set our piece on defenders. That's so a pretty good yep. ranking. Uh, yeah. Stupinon is the one really standing out to us here, I think, and then uh, in a, in a little Liverpool sandwich. It's exciting, though. I mean, the fact we we listed ten, we could have listed ten more, right? A ton of good defender options. So uh, let's take a break, and we're going to discuss our top five goalkeepers. Great. All right, Brandon, we're back. Goalkeepers, top five. A couple opening notes. Mentioned this a moment ago, but just to, to recap, uh, Ray and Ramsdale, the situation keeps them both off the list. There's just too much uncertainty here. If we were doing a top 10, they would both be on it. But at the yeah. moment, I mean, because I, I don't see Ray, uh, Ramsdale being a backup all season. So if 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 Raya came in and immediately supplanted him, I, I would imagine that Raya, uh, that Ramsdale would go somewhere else, right? I think that um, there's certainly some clubs looking for, looking for replacements. And in fact, I, I'd say that's a big theme. I was surprised by just how many clubs have an unsettled situation at goalkeeper right now you could look up and down and find a number of clubs in that in that position um did you see by the way that mendy has now moved i think he's um he's is he in, is he in saudi arabia too yes. i think he's one yeah, of the that yes. deal is done yeah that deal is done so keppa uh keppa actually just missed the cup for the top five i think he came in sixth he but can't catch he a break is, this guy he, he can't catch a break but he was a good own the last half of last season i thought he deserved a little extra shout out here because he was like one of the most widely, I don't know. I, it's not even a fantasy thing so much with him, but just he was kind of a joke for a couple of years there. And mm-hmm. but the second half of last season totally redeemed himself, at least from a fantasy perspective. Comes in at five million, and again, we think that a lot of the the instability that that dog Chelsea last year will get resolved under under Pochettino. Yeah. And in general, these players are priced to buy, and so yeah. uh, and I think that includes Cap uh, at five million. Yeah, uh, and then we have a 4.0 goalkeeper uh, to think about with Alphonse Areola at West Ham. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. finally time to sunset Fabianski? Now, if I've learned anything over the years, Josh, going back to the Swansea City days, never count Fabianski out. He's ageless yeah. like Dorian Gray. Um, <laughs> I, I I think having Alfonso Ariola Alfonso uh, well Ariola let's call him Ariola yeah. on your yeah. bench um, is probably a good move at four because that could turn into a, a big value pick and then would you yeah. would you in that case consider going four point oh four point oh goalkeeper 
if Areola was a regular starter for West Ham. Yeah, I would consider that. I feel like I maybe did that at, at last season with uh, with I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. That didn't actually work out great because Ward was uh, such oh, a the Leicester, Leicester rotating. Keepers. Yeah, 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 the Leicester rotating keepers, but. Um, I well, let's get into our top five here, and we can talk a little bit more about it because I think that there's um, there's a lot of different price ranges to consider here, and I think number five is kind of so the for long time listeners know this, but uh, for anyone new to the pod this year, Brandon has a uh, has always had a little bit of a fetish for expensive keepers, and it's like you recognize that it's a problem. You've talked to many people about it over the years, and. You've sought help for it, and yet you you have fallen back on it year year in and year out. And this year, you've sworn up and down, no more expensive keepers. That's over. Those days are in the past. Are you cracking? Are you still holding firm? What's your What's your thinking right now on expensive sure. keepers? Sure, it's it's like um, any uh, any problem. You you don't solve the problem. You just go into recovery. So right. you know right. Sort of like once an alcoholic, always an yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You're just in yeah. recovery. So, I th- I'm in I'm in recovery right now, and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I I have said I have said uh, I'm not going over five million, and five million okay. I'm treating as a luxury move this uh-huh. season. Yep. yep. I um I feel like that's just like a half measure. Okay, so. I find it very. I find it very confusing that um, mm-hmm. there used to be six million goalkeepers, and those yep. se- those have been they've been eradicated Things from are the over game. Somehow. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I feel like we don't premium goalkeep the way we used to premium goalkeep. So I. Yep. Um, so we're kind of like what what used to pass as premium goalkeeper back in the day no longer does. So going yeah. down to five million just just does seem like a super half measure. I, it, it, and it, and it kind of encapsulates my feelings overall about our whole defensive conversation is I'm finding it very difficult to, uh, to really zero in on what I think about how clean sheets are going to shake out this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also kind of trying, the, uh, I'm failing to yeah. like care that much. Yeah. I just want goals and assists. That's really all I want. The Man City thing last year really knocked a lot of people for a loop, yeah. right? The fact that they just were consistently dominating teams and and then conceding one cheap goal every yeah. week. So the stats continually looked incredible for them. <laughs> like mm-hmm. It looked like a great team. And yet, mm-hmm. week in and week out, it was just not happening for them. And so, yeah, I think that uh, in general... A good rule of thumb with goalkeepers is find a good mid table keeper at four point five if you can do it, and then and then cover him with a with the four million. Uh, I am leaning a little bit towards Onana at the moment, I have to say. But let's let's get into our top five because I don't want to give too much away here. So uh, number five is Pope at five point five million. I honestly feel like you could put Ederson or uh, Allison in here, right? It's yeah. like they're like a, the three headed five point five million group. They're probably too expensive to own. It's they're not quite worth it when you can get. Honestly, as many points uh, for for cheaper, you can just get as like it's not even a value thing. You can literally get as many, if not more, points for cheaper. Uh, but um, 
you know, he's probably too expensive to own, but you don't have to worry about your goalkeeper again all season, most likely. Um, Pope is the, the, the reason Pope's fifth instead of the other two is just, uh, um, I suppose we should factor Save. in Ederson's assist. Uh, well, Ederson has assist threat, Brandon. We have to remember that <laughs> yes. somehow it gets like one assist a season. Uh, but yeah, but Pope gets saves and, um, that is, that has held true. It was very true when he was, when he was a nice affordable keeper at Burnley, but it's, it's held true even at Newcastle as well. And so I think that that, that is a little bit of a tiebreaker. Maybe if you just want the premium keeper, you never have to worry about it again. Although honestly, Ederson was barely starting down at the end of last season. So you know, who knows? Having Ederson, Al- and I had him for a double game week because, in theory, he was the safest, uh, rot- <laughs> less least rotation prone, and he didn't start yeah. either of those yeah. matches. It yep. was really one of the most incredible things that's ever happened to me yeah. in fantasy. Aaron Life, the myth of the myth of goalkeeper safety, right? Yeah. Because not only not only do you get security of starts, not always, but you also don't even get security of returns because sometimes you're better off just. Having, I feel like this happened with one of my defenders last season where it was like they conceded five goals, but they got an assist and a bonus point somehow, you know, because mm-hmm. they were like really involved in the, in the attack. And it's like, that's, that's why defenders ultimately just matter more than keepers in the game because they can just luck their way, blind luck their way into random assists and, yeah. and you know, and bonus. So, uh, so Pope is fifth. Uh, Leno is the next two are both our, our 4.5 million, uh, take your pick options. Uh, we've got Leno in fourth and Pickford in third, uh, Leno's at 4.5 million, 9% owned Pickford's at 4.5 million, 14% owned, uh, Leno's case, a ton of saves last year, 144 saves for Leno, wow. um, and, uh, eight clean sheets. And I guess the question, and you're a film supporter, so the question to me is, or to you is, are the squad, is the squad, uh, good enough to keep clean sheets or are saves alone enough to own them? Um, we only have like, no, like but, we only have like yeah. one half healthy center back right now. Issa Diop. Yeah. We got yeah. Tosin Adebayor. He's, uh, Leaving the club, presumably. Okay. Tim Tim Ream's okay. still injured. Okay. So I don't know, but Leno was uh, arguably Fulham's best signing last summer, and he made some points saving saves. Is it's incredible. And the thing from a fantasy perspective that you'd like is, you know, being on a, a weaker team with a, a worse defense, he's going to face a lot of shots. Uh, yeah. And he's gonna, therefore he's going to get a lot of saves. So if you never get a single clean sheet out of Leno, you're still going to see a number of three and four point returns game week to mm. game week, which I think is good. I just yeah. think Fulham, like the, the their prospects do not look good enough at this point going into the yep. season for me to argue for Leno. So the case for uh, Pickford, who we've got above him, uh, is to and we've tried not to get too focused on early season matches here, but mm-hmm. I do think with goalkeepers, it it's something to at least talk about uh, on this pod because he's got a really strong start to the season. You, you could absolutely set and forget Pickford up until you play that first wild card, right? Even if that wild card isn't played until December, I think you'd, you'd yeah. actually honestly be pretty pretty solid uh, with 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 you know having him. Um, because even 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 some of their trickier matches are, are home matches, so you could at least maybe expect them some save points there. But the the Kayser Pickford is solid keeper, solid history, affordable at four point five million. Um, he's been priced. In fact, he was five 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 point five five and five the last 
um, six seasons. So this is honestly it's the cheapest he's been in half a decade. Um, they've had an entire summer under Sean Deitch to get better, get stronger. I really am a believer in Deitch as a manager. I think he's very strong. I think he was a great hire for Everton. Uh, I know they barely stayed up, but I just feel like long term, um, Deitch is going to be the right guy. That they have a solid defense in front of them. You know, Tarkowski, I, I rate, and uh, Ashley Young is there now, getting some minutes. I, I that was that was surprising to me. I hadn't realized that until I was getting what, ready. What business spot. is that? Like the only business Everton have done this summer? It feels like uh, I want to hear I a little bit more uh, going on there. The whole squad, work. right? Yeah, yeah, it's like what's going on with. Calvert Lewin, what's going on? You know, across the board, but uh, Michael Lenko, I I rate, and uh, even even Keen is is is. So there, there's like a number of like it's a solid defense, and they just should be better than they were last season, right? There's enough talent in the squad to be better than they were, and so it's I, I don't know. So I think that at four point five, if you just wanted to if you wanted to pair him with um, with Ariola and hope that maybe Ariola ends up becoming the starter of the season. I don't think that's a bad pairing to, to start the season with. I mean, what do you think about Pickford? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, yeah that's definitely, uh, I don't want to think about it, sort of a fantasy totally. pick, which I think is justifiable here. All goalkeeper, yeah, all goalkeepers are bad. Give me a cheap one, right? <laughs> like, that's a decent, yeah. that's honestly is, a decent way to think. Yeah. He's like wearing sweatpants to work. Having Pickford in your fantasy yeah. team is like wearing sweatpants to well, work. Well, like, that implies that you What do you do, fire me? I th- I I feel like that implies that you're giving up. It's more just like I'm gonna take my my precious hundred million pool of money and spend it elsewhere, and I'm just going to throw this guy in there because we don't actually know if Ariel is gonna start. So you can't you're like the rich trust, guy who drives you know? around in a in a really crappy car. Yeah, it's like a, the Warren like Buffett move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right, that brings us to our top two. We've got Anana at five million, eighteen percent ownership. Uh, Interesting signing. He, you know, he reunited with Eric, Eric Ten Hag. They, they, he managed him uh, up until uh, I guess it was two seasons ago because he spent last year um, at Inter Milan, uh, helped guide Inter to the, the Champions League final. Um, he is arguably the best route now into the Man United defense. He is a modern keeper, right? And so it's sort of like they get they have eleven outfield. It's a like a mm-hmm. little bit like Ederson, right? Where they it's a it's a big change from what they had in De Gea. De Gea is the classic shot stopper goalkeeper, and uh, in Onana, it's more of the like he'll come out, he'll distribute, uh, and um, obviously that sometimes looks scary, but ultimately it's it's what they what it's what you want out of your modern keeper. So um, yeah, good what do for you bonus think about points Inanna? too. You get good, uh, pass completion uh, with a, with a modern keeper. So I. I could yep. see him getting a, a number of bonus points. I the the thing I find appealing about Onana is um, well, let's let's talk about I'll talk about that when we get to our number one goalkeeper pick. But I like him. He's currently in my draft. The five million price tag. I think everyone was just hoping he was going to be five million because then that solves the Manchester United uh, coverage yeah. problem, such such as it is. Yeah. I. I yeah. just feel like the value is going to be pretty high, and that's how one could justify going up from a 4.5 keeper to Onana's. You're, you're actually going to get something for that money. I think it's interesting uh, that he isn't number one, and so let's let's use let's. I, I think we can take we can take yes. him and number one together here as well. Uh, so number one 
and listen, we're surprised he's as high too, but this is what the numbers spit out at the end. Uh, the number one keeper for always cheating going into the 2023-2024 season. The last player we're going to discuss in these preview pods, Brandon, is Emmy Martinez. Three consecutive seasons, double-digit clean sheets. We're banking on continuous improvements under uh, Unai Emery. And he does get an extra bump for the fun factor. This podcast, Brandon, will uh-huh. never to a certain degree, not be about having fun. Correct. And who's who's more fun than than Emmy Martinez? No one. I love him. I know some people hate him, but even even if you hate him, you love to hate yes. him, right? It's like there's... He's, he's a heel. He's, he's, yeah, exactly. And I just like him. I, I'm just a huge fan. I It really... I mean, I've, I've always liked him. He's you know, a former Arsenal player. And then, uh, you know, it was I guess it was a summer ago when he won... Um, uh, when they won the Copa America with Argentina and he was just doing every trick in the book. Right. And just celebrating and gesticulating. And it was just, but it was just fun. And I was, I was like, I just like players who are fun. I, it's, I, I increasingly, I just want, I want to enjoy myself. And I think that he's also a very good fantasy asset though. He's consistently top five in points every single season. He's not crazy expensive. I mean, right. He's, yeah. he's 5 million. He's got a strong track record. I think, it, it, you know, historically I'm just, you know, comparing him to, I mean, ultimately with Anana, it's just, we, it's his first year in the premier league, right? So there is a little bit of, of speculation and maybe that's what mm-hmm. dinged him just a mm-hmm. tiny bit in terms of, and moved him from second to first, but um, you know, historical performance and he rated mm-hmm. out really highly. Um, high ceiling. He's he's up there. Um, he, he wasn't quite at the very top, but he was up there. He's got a high floor as well. We all know that even in a bad match, I mean, he's going to get you three or four points. Value is fine. Squad quality improved from previous years, right? And then and then you rate it really highly on the fun to own category. And there's very little risk of of injury rotation, um, suspension, anything anything like that. He's you know he is their number one. You know very clearly. He's an excellent shot stopper. So you go back to the Pope argument and the Leno argument of consider them for fantasy because they're going to get a lot of save points. And the beauty of Martinez is he plays on a better team that's going to create a poorer shot selection for the opposition. So Emmy Martinez is going to get a lot of easy saves, especially as the team continues to get better. What I don't like about Emmy, where I like uh, Onana more, is... If I want to buy into both the Villa defense and the Manchester United defense, it's cheaper for me to get a 4.5 Villa defender plus Onana versus going Emmy Martinez and 5.5 for Luke Shaw, say. Yeah, so, that's uh, it's just more expensive. That's a great perspective, right? Emmy and Shaw is 10.5. Uh, Mings and Onana is 9.5. A million yeah. is huge in preseason when you're trying to figure this stuff out. And we had Mings very highly on the defender yeah. rating too, right? Just go back 30 minutes ago to our, that discussion of him. So um, I think that's I think that's a really good perspective. Um, I just think in general that Emmy is worthy of consideration, and for some, and he doesn't tend to get a lot of love, but I think it at the end of the season, he's always right up there in terms of points this year. If you look at points from last season, he's a little bit lower, but part of that is because he spent a month partying very, very hard after Argentina <laughs> won the yes. world cup yes. and just wasn't in the squad for several weeks. I think I'm uh, sure you looked at yep. Grealish's like post champions league photos and it was like that, that boy isn't even trying. You know, he should have seen <laughs> yeah, exactly. the diabolical things I was getting up to after Argentina <laughs> exactly. won the world cup. 
Exactly. And if it wasn't for the World Cup, I think he would have uh, very easily been in the top five for keepers. And so I think and I, and I think, again, with it's, it's a little bit like I, I think that managers are a huge factor. I think when you're it was it's the same thing with Jordan Pickford. I, I think managers make a gigantic difference, especially when it comes to stabilizing defenses. Right. That is maybe like the most the, like the clearest line you can point to with the new manager is uh, there's certain managers who are very good at tightening things up like almost immediately. And I think that uh, with Deitch and Unai Emery, there's just a feeling that like you're probably going to be getting value from players in both of those spots. Um, and honestly, we didn't talk about Everton defenders at all. And maybe that was just like a little bridge too far for us, but they, they could be relevant at some point too, early on this season. I could see uh, making a transfer for an Everton defender early on if I just needed to free up some money, yeah. right? Go from a 5.5 to a 4.5 to free up some cash for a midfielder yeah. or something. All right. Well, I told you before we started this podcast that I, I didn't even want to look at the goalkeeper ratings. Uh, I was just really not excited to talk about keepers but this i actually mm-hmm. enjoyed talking about keepers more than defenders if i'm honest with you <laughs> well it's an interesting it gets into strategy right yeah, it's like it, what are you what does. are you looking for it's yeah. an interesting question um yeah for sure so it's I like think, like yeah, we spend yeah. so much time trying to basically assert this like real football fan perspective of like well this player's better uh so i want to have him but can i have him and then when you get to goalkeepers, it just becomes so much more about real fantasy game strategy. Uh, yep. Somehow we're yep. able to think a little bit more clearly about the game versus yeah. our feelings about the in yeah. real life football. So that, that's it's true. Like a smaller, it's a smaller pool, maybe, right? Yeah. It's like if you, if you start talking about defenders, it's like a cascading series of thoughts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, if I go Trent, that means I can't have this midfielder and I can't have this forward. And Whereas when it comes to... A keeper, you're just picking one, really, yeah. right? It's it, in most cases. Where I think goalkeeper rotation is not a thing that either of us are really seriously considering anymore. It's just it it just has not been proven to be a very effective yeah. strategy. It just doesn't really work, and so you're really just better off having one, and then and hopefully Ariola plays. And if not, it's it's worth the punt to me. You just drop him on your first wild card. Maybe maybe you lose point one million or something, but it's yeah. just it's worth it. Um, because if he, because if he does start, then he's going to shoot up in value and right. then, you know, so it's, it's worth, it's, it's a speculative like market move. I like it. Um, all right. On speculative market move or ending our pod, Brandon, three preview pods in seven days. It's been fun. It's been uh, very, very immersive. I feel much more ready for the season. I hope yes. everyone listening feels the same way too. Uh, we are going to have, uh, several more pieces of content uh, coming out over the next uh, couple of weeks as we get ready for the season. So again, if you want to support the pod, and we, and we hope you do, especially it's a crazy podcast marketplace out there right now. So Patreon support is really uh, more valuable than it's ever been uh, in order to make sure that we uh, can keep doing this pod. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you can go to patreon.com and support us at any pledge level, right? Uh, even the, the absolute lowest is still mm-hmm. uh, hugely, hugely appreciated. So uh, patreon.com is where you can go. Brendan, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yeah, big thanks to Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, our buddy Chris Howell, Bob Kuhn, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Lazarus Yanos, Jesse Halstead, Bruce Kerr, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Todd Byerly, Andy Portlock, at FPL Merch, Kerry Swanson, Jefferson Turner, Buffalo Wild Mings, Francis Moore, Sam Shower, Caleb Robbie, Vulgar Paulson, Kruger, Alex Holcomb, James Keatley, The Saint, Bob Fox, Craig Jackson, Shalin F. Kadakia, Terrence O'Donnell, Paul Herzig, Heath Cram, Thomas Tislov, Noah and Louise, Travis Grant, Julio Pena, 
and Linus Vennerstrom. Rate, review, and subscribe. We ask you all to rate us five stars on Spotify. Uh, roughly six of you did. So, you know, to it's the great. rest of you, keep going. Keep pushing. <laughs> uh, we're, we're on social media, primarily X at Hail Cheaters. For all this information, including that Super League code, pay us a visit uh, at our website, alwayscheating.com. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.